Remember guys, this program is for educational purposes only and fits within YouTube guidelines in the context of science. What's going on guys? Today on Drugs and Stuff, we discuss trend in the off season. After that, we've got a bunch of listener questions and listen, if you wanna take part in the next show, then comment below. We'll tackle your questions then for this week. What's the lowest dose of test you can run to hold muscle mass? Then, what are the pros and cons of taking your test all at once versus spreading it out through the week? We're asked how to reduce hematocrit and hemoglobin. What are the best methods to track your physique progress? Plus, how do contest prep strategies differ from the UK versus the US? Which do we prefer and which is better? Plus, a bunch more, guys. Stay tuned. We're going to get to it all right now on Drugs and Stuff. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality, third-party tested supplements. If you have any questions about any of the True Nutrition products or flavors, definitely drop me a DM, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Or comment in the YouTube. Dave, we got a nice little, uh, nice little comment uh, about uh, your internet. This is in regard to last week. I was at my parents' house recording. Lee says, even your parents have better internet than Dave. <laughs> my internet is driven by potato. That's all I can say about my internet. It is. He has a potato with cords sticking out Why? of it. Yeah. Wires. And he uses that for an antenna. His wife has to hold the potato outside and move around during the show to keep the signal so boosted. Honestly, our internet is shit, and it is a bane of my life. It's good right um, now. This is okay. This yeah. is acceptable, this moment. So enjoy it. Breathe so it in. That, listeners, enjoy. Viewers, watch this just this two minutes. To be honest, they, they want to be grateful because it means they never get to see me in HD. They only get to see me in Fuzzy D, and Fuzzy D is definitely a better look than HD for my taste. <laughs> guys, we have a topic today uh, that we're going to get to, and of course we have all your listener questions. If you guys want to take part in the next show, uh, comment below in the YouTube uh, speaking of, guys, if you aren't subscribed, then please, we suggest that you subscribe to the channel because that helps to boost us up and helps other people to find the programming. Plus, it'll allow you to stay up to date with everything we're doing, especially if you click the bell. Uh, today's topic, trend in the off season. I thought today's topic was where was Christmas cabbage? Yeah, we'll get to the topic then. Apparently, we have something else to talk about. Dave, where is the cabbage? You, you didn't have him on last no. week. No, he's, I've lost him. You said, actually, the term Dave used is he f***ed off. I, I don't know where he is. <laughs> you lost Christmas cabbage. <laughs> I will find him, I promise. You I didn't have him last week. <laughs> have you seen him since you've been back from France? No. <laughs> Oh, this could be bad. This could be <coughs> this could be really bad. This could be the uh, end of the show, actually. Ah, that's good. I'll get my Tuesdays back. That's not as bad. Uh, I don't know, guys. This this could be bad. Uh, if you've just tuned in for the cabbage, we apologize. Uh, Dave and I will press on with the show, and we'll be as brave as possible. I'll find him. I promise. Tread, tread in the off season. Trend is probably the the most. What's the word I would I would use? It. I mean, it's a very popular compound. There's a lot of lore around it. It seems like anytime I have a new guy that's just learning about steroids, he thinks that trend is the answer. You know, I mean, it is a strong drug. It does a lot. This is almost. Um... It is a strong compound, and it is an effective compound, and it's one of the few injectable steroids that will have quite an impact on your body fat levels as well. True, uh, but so you can you can understand the attraction to trend because it does it does provide results, and let right uh, let's be, let's be honest. If drugs disappear tomorrow, probably. 60 maybe even more percentage of people that currently train wouldn't bother that's a shame because because they wouldn't yield results 
because the training is not efficient or the diet's not efficient or the lifestyles are just negative. And so they only maintain training because of the chemical results they gain from taking steroids. Okay. If that if that magically disappeared overnight, so we did a Thanos, a Thanos and clicked his fingers and steroids just never existed. They just disappeared. Oh, I shudder then to think a lot about of that. People, a lot of people, that's, that's <laughs> got, got nightmares for the next week. Um, a lot of people would soon give up in the gym because they wouldn't be making progress. And at the end of the day, there's not that many people that will maintain something if they don't see some benefit from doing it. Um, and, and training is one of those drugs that will, to a degree, overcome poor diet, will overcome inadequate training and still give you results without actually running horrendously large doses because it is so powerful. The downside of tread is there's a lot we still don't know. Um, and we're getting snippets and we're getting images um, and little bits and bats about trend, but we, we really don't know enough to, 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 to really say what it does. You know, I mean, there's it's not a compound that's studied too heavily because there's no need to. There's no mm. medical drive to study trend. There's a few universities that are looking at trend from a recreational use point of view, Oslo being one, I think. Really? Um, well, they've looked at steroids in general and their impact pharmacologically, or neurologically, should I say, teeth in. They're impacting the brain. Um, and I believe that since then they've moved on to more specifically looking at or they're considering looking at trend and its actual physical impacts in the brain. But uh, we've got bits and bats from studies and such like. Um, so we don't really know. I mean, we know a bit. We know it's a high-stress drug. We know it's a high-impacting drug. We know it has um, a very cross-receptor impact in that it affects much more than just androgen receptors. But, you know, it's like I live probably... 20, 25 minutes walk from the shop. So if I needed something, it's perfectly viable for me to walk down a shop and get it and walk back. Have I ever done it? No. Why? Well, one, because I'm a fat, lazy bastard. And two, because I have a car. And three, because you're on trend, you'd be out of breath. I'm out of breath anyway, because I'm a fat, lazy bastard. Plus the trend. Yeah, but the, the point is, you know, how are you ever going to say to someone, don't take that drug when that drug yields results? Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, Trend, I, can it be used in, in the off season? I know we've discussed before, and actually this kind of came up because there was a question uh, that we got from uh, TTK, one of our guys from Patreon, actually. He says, um, I know Dave is not a fan of using Trend in the off season, but many pros in the 90s said that they were using Parabol in two to three amps a week. Uh, it was good for building muscle. Uh, I believe that Parabolin was 75 milligrams of Trend Hex. So dosing isn't that high. Does Dave think that this is unnecessary on off season. That's kind of what drove this topic today. Um, right. Okay. So I think the best way to put my point across with this is I'm going out and I'm going to party and I'm going to drink alcohol. When? Just listen. Wait, when? No. And listen. No, I'm not telling you when. So I'll be no, there. I can go to this party and I can drink beer and I will get pissed by the end of the night. I'll show up. Or I can or I can go to this party. You're barred. Or I can go to this party <laughs> and drink spirits and get pissed at the end of the night. Or even probably a little bit sooner because of the higher concentration of alcohol in spirits. What the fuck is spirits? <laughs> Whiskey, gin, vodka, spirits. Oh yeah. So the point is that both compounds achieve the desired goal, which is to get rat assed. Yeah. But they do it in different ways and at different levels of stress on the body. And this is when you look at stuff, you know, the compounds that you use for growth. Is trend necessary for growth? No. Is it effective for growth? Yes. Is it worth it? That's only a decision the individual using can make. That's a good point, yeah. You know, 
at different times in my life, my risk to reward ratio has been completely different. At one point, I would have taken fucking anything on the planet to gain muscle mass. Yeah, I would say dose is part of the the risk. What is your dose? You know, if you're running it yeah. 75 milligrams three times a week of trend hex, I'd say that's a lot lower of a dose than, say, running 500, 700 of trend E per week, you know? Well, it's a lot lower than running fucking 200 megatron E per week. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, um, the carryover accumulative dose is going to be higher on 200 megatron. And how many people, there are people that run 10 that low, but there's a lot of people that run trend higher. So, you know, dose is a big impact on the toxicity of a drug. Duration is a big impact on the toxicity of a drug. Yeah. One of the things that we're not sure about is, so with trend, there's studies showing that trend causes cellular damage in the brain. Um, And there's studies that show that it it starts to malform the amygdala, which is our emotional control center and deals with anger and things like that. Um, Now, what we don't know is how that damage relates to dose or how that damage relates to duration. What we think, and again, we don't know for certain, is that the the damage done is permanent and therefore it becomes accumulative. Now, what I have seen is that people that have been very conservative with their trend doses, so they've been the 150, 200, 250, 300 tops, and they've run cycle, no problems, another cycle, no problems, another cycle, no problem, all been good. Good results, good progress, felt good, no issues whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, on their fifth, sixth, seventh cycle, they develop an anxiety issue. They develop paranoia. Uh, and now they've finished because that has started, so they've dropped the 10, and they're now stuck with it. Yeah, I haven't seen so, that. I, I was the opposite. I started with uh, Trend Ace, 100 milligrams every other day, along with 100 milligrams of Trend, or excuse me, Test Probe. And that first cycle, I felt the strongest side effects. I worked mm-hmm. backwards from there, reducing the dose. And I'd say at this stage, trend doesn't give me many of the of the the harsher emotional side effects that I think that some people experience. Well, th- th- there seems to be two things going on. So there seems to be a, a usage side effect where the trend actually triggers neurons and, and such like affects cannabinoid receptors and causes a paranoia or anxiety in the moment. Yeah. And then there appears to be an accumulative damage effect that causes a more long-term paranoia or anxiety, which remains post-usage. Mm. So when I've done very, and these are not scientific studies, and they would never claim them to be anywhere near, uh, but when I've done general surveys on, on people that use trend and, and how they feel, about two-thirds have said they've had very negative issues within trend, be it aggression or, or emotion or you know paranoid anxiety or anything along those lines. But about a third of all trend users have reported that they have ongoing problems even though they no longer use trend. Ah. Okay, well, let me ask now, you this. Oh, go ahead. Oh. There's a lot, well, just there's a lot within that that could be circumstantial, could be environmental, may have nothing to do with the trend whatsoever because obviously this is just a general survey asking people questions. This is not a controlled environment. So you have to look at the results and saying, well, okay, there's a decent number there to say something's going on, but it doesn't necessarily mean everything's going on. Uh, And um, at the end of the day, with a lot of users, mental health is not always the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, here's here's my thought, Dave. I think that, and I'm going to just tackle it a little bit different. For you know, you're asking trend in the off season for a guy who's newer, he's going to be able to get a, a really good result from basically anything he takes. So yes. if he's only been running a few handful of cycles, then maybe he wants to run some tests and add some type of an anabolic in. Maybe it's Anavar, even if he's earlier on, uh, you know, maybe he graduates to test in DECA. And I think that would be great. Um, I have found that like a, a test EQ cycle with adding a little bit of trend in there isn't necessarily a bad thing in the off season. 
That said, I don't like running trend back to back to back. So part of it I'd have to think about is, uh, are you planning on doing a contest prep after this? Because there's a good chance that if you are a trend user, that contest prep is going to contain trend. So would you want to run an entire off-season cycle and add trend into that and then add trend in again after you take a break for your, your contest prep? It is kind of a nice compound to have where you can hit that trend button you know, when you when you really need it versus relying on it in the off season. But hey man, I've seen people get here's a here's a bonus or benefit. You get incredible strength from trend. If you're in your off season and you were to use a minimal dose like he's talking about, let's say you used a test and EQ cycle, uh you add in that trend at maybe fifty milligrams every other day, trend ace, uh you you're gonna get some some benefits out of that. You're gonna get some strength out of that. And uh, I, I think that that strength can turn into new muscle gain. And you might not have been able to get the level of results you got without it. I don't think you can't. Well, ah, now there's, 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 I was just about to say, I don't think you can't get the level of results without it. But there is a hypothetical level of results and there is a reality level of results. <clears throat> there is no doubt that if you freeze somebody's training style and efficiency and you freeze their diet commitment, that trend will give you better results than any other compound. Yeah. But any compound can get the same results, but it does mean more effort and, and more focus on training and diet in order to do so. Yeah, but how about if what if you turn that up anyway? You're at a hundred percent. You're giving all you can. Then it would take you further than you would have been, I guess. You know, I'm I'm not so sure. I, I, there's there's trend can very quickly become quite negative as well because of the amount of stress it causes. That is true. If you're not I mean, if you're getting terrible insomnia, for instance, you know, and you can't sleep well because you got all these side effects from it you get anxiety and you can't eat your food, then sure, man, that would be a, a strong negative that might hold you back. I could, I could, without fail, if I look at someone's bloods, you can almost 99% of the time you can tell they're on trend. No kidding. Because of how high the information markers are. Not always, because yeah. sometimes the information markers are high anyway. But it is very common that you can... Uh, um, you can see how the, the trend is affecting their body. But at the end of the day, it's... I think if you want to be real with this, there is no right and wrong. There's only what you decide is for you. But what you can't do is then complain if you have problems because of it, because that's your responsibility to learn as much as you can about how the compound works. That's your responsibility to make that decision whether the risk is worth it for you. Absolutely. And if it's not like the side effects of trend are not known, we know what it can cause. That everybody's been very, very open about what it can cause. Insomnia, you know, almost problematically high sex drive, aggression, distance, um, coldness, you know, anger, all sorts of things. Uh and if you get those sides, then just don't sit there bitching and moaning that, oh, this did this to me, this did that. No, it didn't. You did that to you because That's it true. didn't walk up and inject it yourself. You picked that drug up and chose to use it, and you chose to inject it. So I don't – personally, I like to keep my off-seasons as stress-free for my clients. I want to keep them as healthy as I can. I want to keep their stress levels as low as I can, particularly if they're going to feed into a prep because we know the prep's going to be very stressful. So – I personally don't like using trend in the off-season. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just not something that I like to do. I'm probably a little bit more overcautious with clients because I'm dealing with somebody else's health. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily apply that same logic or I wouldn't apply that same logic to myself because it's me that deals with that problem. Of course not. You'd be like, hey, I want to take all the steroids, right? Well, there was a time when, yeah, I, I would have taken anything without without doubt. And I have taken stuff without a fucking clue of what it is. Dave. Um, but, uh, Dave. So, it, well, Dave, I know, just... I know. 
But, you know, the, there are negative impacts. It does cause AKI, acute kidney injury. That doesn't necessarily mean kidney damage, but there is a, a bigger potential for kidney damage with that. Uh, and these are all things that need to be considered by the individual. There are plenty of people that have used trend, used trend frequently and never had a problem with it. So my thought would be if you... At the same time, there's people that have severe problems with it. So if you were going to use it in the off-season or during a, a diet phase or a contest prep, I think that the best thing we can say is use moderation. If you if that was the decision you made, the best way you're going to be able to control it is by using the least amount to get the best effect possible. And <laughs> I think the biggest mistake I made was thinking that you had to fight through side effects. You know, well, it's just insomnia. It's just part of it. No, man, get rid of the insomnia. And that way you get better sleep. You get better results, right? Trenny's not necessary. But it can make life easier in the sense that you can achieve your goals with slightly less effort. It will help in a, in a court. It does change the physique going into a competition. There's no denying all that. It is an incredibly powerful drug. It is an incredibly effective drug. It's just whether that drug is for you is down to you. And you need to make that decision based on, on what the side effect potential side effects are. If you're someone who's had a history of anxiety, or, you know, had issues with anxiety in the past, then probably looking at trend is, is not a good idea at any point. Yeah. Yeah, if, that's probably you know, if, a good point right there. If you've got poor kidney function, again, looking at trend is probably not something you want to be considering. But, you know, if you're, if you're fit and healthy, most people will tolerate a two, 300 mega week cycle without any real major issues to a point. But if you get issues, like you said, don't push through it. You know, stop and think yeah. yeah there's no reward it's like when people cut and prep for shows and it's like ah, oh, up at four o'clock doing there's no reward for that if you can get up at eight o'clock and do your cardio and go to work and fucking get up at eight o'clock you know yeah. you don't get a special reward for getting up at four and five and going to do your fucking cardio yeah yeah the judges you don't know, ask you what time no, you got up just don't give a shit what time you got up, how much cardio you did, how many drugs you take, all they look at is how you look. All right. We got to move on, Dave. This is a this is good. I hope that it gives people some insight, Dave, then into how, you know, how to employ trend if they wanted to or not to, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I suppose it's like drinking moonshine, isn't it? You know it's going to get you pissed, but you also know it might turn you fucking blind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have a bunch of listener questions. If you guys want to take part in the next episode, comment below in the YouTube. Plus those comments, they help to boost us in the algorithm, uh, comments, likes. And like I said before, if you haven't subscribed to our programming, we've got several podcasts coming out each week. Some of them are actually really good shows, too. So don't judge. Yeah, they're not all shit like this one. <laughs> don't judge your experience here off this show as to like what the channel's like as a whole, you know? Um, here's a comment from, from the last episode. We talked about the best pre-workout steroids. He, Larry says the best pre-workout steroid is five minutes of adult video viewing with no touching to boost your pre-workout aggression blows T and E out of the water. Yeah. But do you really want to turn up at the gym with a stonking hard on? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. What's this? Apparently, one? um, Lucas is birthday today, so happy birthday. Oh, Lucas. shit. Yeah. Afternoon, gents. This is a perfect birthday afternoon watching you too. Absolutely. Happy birthday to you, my friend. We got a lot of comments, actually, now that I look over here. Um, oh, here's one from Billy on, on that, the same topic. Well, let's just throw this up here really quick. Also, Josh says hi to us. Um, Billy says, uh, curious what you chaps think about low dose of test in oh i thought he said trend i was wrong but we'll take it anyway low dose of test in terms of milligrams to maintain muscle mass for an intermediate to advanced bodybuilder given their diet training stress and sleep is in check uh he says also i don't know why i use the word chaps is that what is that a word you would use regularly dave chaps no it's usually a word used by americans trying to sound english is it no, I, I, I don't use it anyway. Most of the Americans I know that want to sound English say cheers. That's like how you know that you've somebody's been to Europe. They say cheers. cheers. Yeah, they do. But you had a whole program based around that word. 
Cheers? Yeah. A whole program? Oh, you, like yeah. you mean a television program, Cheers, yeah. Yeah. Well, we do say Cheers as in Cheers, but that's about it. Yeah, well, it's, I suppose it, it, we use it as a term as of, of thanks as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I do know a few people that use the word chaps, to be honest. Um, do you? Yeah, yeah, mainly girls for some reason. But yeah. Uh, anyway, back to the question. Yes, bodybuilding stuff, steroid yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Like drug stuff, yeah. Um, so there's two things here. Well, there's a few factors here that need to be considered. Level of development. Level of development in relation to genetic potential. Okay. Uh, period of time of maintenance. So you'll find that if you're if you're in a blast cruise formation and you've built the muscle the right way, i.e. based on your training and your diet, and the drugs have just complemented that, then you could probably get away quite comfortably with an uh, 8, 10, 12-week cruise at a genuine TRT base losing virtually no muscle whatsoever. Absolutely. Uh, if you start extending that period to the six-month mark, then you're probably going to start to see some regression. Um, if you are way beyond your genetic potential, which would only apply to a very few people, then you might find that that timescale is shortened. But you are probably still looking at six weeks post a cycle before you'd start to see any real baseline muscle mass loss. Um, what you might find is a strength strength throttle pro cycle. You might find a loss in water and a little bit of a loss in muscle fullness. But if you're dropping a lot post cycle, then you're relying too heavily on the drugs for the growth within the cycle. And there's your base, i.e. your training and your diet, just aren't working properly for you. Yeah. If those are right, then your weight fluctuation, your strength fluctuations post-cycle should be quite good. In fact, most people should actually experience a period of strength increases directly post-cycle for the first two or three weeks. As the stress factors drop in their body, they'll find that generally they'll get a little bit stronger initially. And then that will start to taper and, and possibly regress a little bit. But for most people... They'll comfortably cruise three months without any real loss if they are matching the criteria that was given. I think what you have to recognize, too, is that when you do come off, you there's there's a lot that goes into it visually that, you know, you're you feel like you're losing, you know, you don't have the same pumps that you had before. You don't have the same fullness, like constant fullness that you had while you're on cycle. So, uh, and you're not going to have that same blood, blood volume, really. I mean, your hematocrit well, comes back down after several weeks. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be more or less a little bit of a deflated version of yourself. You're not going to ever look like you do when you're on gear, but the second, if you take three months off and you feel like, oh, man, I lost a bunch of gains, but you've been doing everything right, the second you do go back on two weeks into that cycle, it's like, oh, I'm back, you know? Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, the amount of people that, for argument's sake, do a, a, a Monday-Thursday split on their injections and they finish their cycle with a last shot on the Monday. Yeah. And then by the Thursday, they say, oh, I'm losing muscle mass. Well, how can you be? Because in your cycle you would still be at this point on this day. <laughs> right, right. Because this is the day you do your next injection. So you haven't lost muscle mass because your fucking hormone levels haven't altered. Yes. They would be in within your cycle. Uh, and there is a massive psychological element to this. Uh, and sometimes yeah. you've got to really just focus on the numbers. Am I moving the same weight in the gym? Do I weigh the same weight? And if those two questions are pretty much yes, then however you may feel, the chances are you've not really dropped any tissue. Yeah, yeah. And even if you do, sometimes, I mean, I can say off-cycle, people generally aren't pushing quite the same weights or getting the same amount of reps with it, you know, as they, they could in the, during their push. You, you know, you just have to accept that off-cycle isn't going to be quite the same but that doesn't necessarily mean that you lost all this new tissue 
But how many people also come off cycle and then start missing training, start missing meals, sure. start backing off? You know, That's a good point. You, you've you've got to, at the end of the day, if you're expecting to keep muscle mass, you've got to maintain what put the muscle mass there in the first place. Yeah. All right. Let me see what else we got you're not going to keep it, are you? What else do we have here? Um because we've got a bunch of questions here that built up from the last couple episodes. Uh, he says, uh, first off, great show as always. I love the way you guys break down, uh, break everything down, and your chemistry it is very entertaining. So what he's saying is he finds my hate of you entertaining. Yeah, we kind of make fun of each other and stuff. They like to see that. because well, we don't, don't like they? each other. They like to see that. They want to see us bicker and fight and stuff. They would like to see us fight for real, I bet. It's a good thing that we're so, not in the same room. So the, the truth of it is, I don't like Scott. Scott doesn't like me. But what we do is we build, up, we build up stress all week, and then we use this show to throw shit at each other to make ourselves feel better. <laughs> it starts before we hit the button. You don't realize how much slagging goes <laughs> off before we start recording. <laughs> It's not just for the fucking cameras, is this shit, you know? <laughs> okay, question. Question for the next week. He says, uh, I've been doing a program that is structured test E, 400 to 600 milligrams one, one time a week, uh, and DECA 200 to 400 milligrams three times, <sighs> and was curious uh, what the reasoning is behind only injecting the test once per week. I've always been uh, of the understanding that you want to keep levels even to prevent uh, side effects from getting out of hand. There's a read more bit, so what else does he say? That's all he has to say. There was like two more words, blah, blah, and blah. That's it. That's en it's enough information, Dave. You know what he's... I didn't, right, so the reality the, the is theory, I didn't I didn't hit the button in when I hit the screen capture, so I don't know what he said. The, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Might have been a lot more. I don't know. Yeah, you, there could have been a whole paragraph of more relevant information <laughs> that you've missed, and now we're trying to answer a question based on quarter of a story. It could be, all right? Right. The, the thinking behind single shot on a baseline compound is that if your blood plasma levels are too even, you can actually start to upregulate up the clearance of the drug. Huh, um, okay. So there is a thing called terminal half-life, and terminal half-life kicks in when blood plasma levels stabilize. Um, and it is effectively half of the normal half-life. So the theory is that by doing a single shot of one of the compounds, you create an irregulation in your hormone profile that as a result stops terminal half-life from being achieved. I did subscribe to this for a while, but as time has gone on, I've tended to move away from it. It's okay if you're doing a low-dose single shot, so it's only a two, 300 mig, but I find when you start getting into the four, five, six, 700 mig ranges, that single shot is quite an impact on your body, and as a result can, especially if it's a test base, can cause quite an irregular, irregular pattern with estrogen. <laughs> yeah. You just cracked yourself up. Uh, you think you're pretty funny, don't you? You think you're very clever. Why? why? <sighs> Mrs. Crossland's on. Hi, Miss Crossland. She doesn't like you. She doesn't like you. No, that's true. No, she doesn't. Ah, she paid me. See that? That is a 50 pence piece. I can't see anything except for like a bunch of blur, actually. Yeah, well, that is a 50 pence piece, which is effectively 50 cents. It looks like a dime. Right? Uh, and she's paid me that for sexual favors. Listen, you should be more respectful of your wife, actually. I, think. I, I adore my wife. My wife is amazing. Okay. She puts up with me for fuck's sake. <laughs> Yeah, I, here's here's something I got to say about the, the the one shot of test thing. I I don't like that idea. And and sometimes when we uh, sometimes when we when we talk about something like this, I'll have some new guy who's never done a cycle before, and then he comes to me and he says, "You and Dave were talking about the merits of injecting everything once a week." 
So I want to be absolutely clear. I don't think you or I would suggest that somebody does that on average, you know? No. I, I As time has gone on, I've moved away from that. Uh, but there was a period of time when I, I thought it was potentially a good idea. But at the same time, I still kept that test dose relatively quite low. Okay. I would never, I would never consider, you know, doing a 600 mig single shot. It, it's just, it's a lot to put in in one hit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, and obviously, that is one of the ways of managing side effects is to in, to spread your doses out over lots of smaller shots. Absolutely. Rather than doing it in one hit, particularly stuff like test through and immune response stuff that you can get. The side effects I get from Trend. If I were to go to everyday shots at a higher dose of trend, then it, that helps me dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we got here? Oh, the girth. He says, Scott, uh, really interesting the in L-carnitine uh, size of needle, and is it sub or intramuscular? Uh, do you do it every day, and how much do you take? 400 milligrams uh, intramuscular, um, I'm using a 25 gauge, five eighths inch pin, uh, and I think that that covers that. Scott Stevenson and I are going to talk more about L-carnitine. He's got a bunch of the science behind it, uh, so we were going to have a discussion. So stay tuned for that one. What else do we have here? Oh, this is from Silla. Uh, he says, "Oh, he's going to not be happy when he sees this show." He says, "Big Christmas cabbage fan club check in." Dave, you had one job, and that was to manage the cabbage. I will find the cabbage. One job. One job. It's it. He's got very bullshit because he's got popular. He thinks he's some sort of superstar, and he can make it on his own now. Have you checked his Instagram? See if he's checked in? No, I haven't, actually. I'll have to check that. Yeah, take a look. might be on his Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Scott and Dave, I have a question. What are your recommendations to drop high hematocrit and hemoglobin? Thanks. Bleed. <laughs> Get a coffee can. Slice an artery. Bleed. <laughs> hey, you know, man, uh, we used to think that you had to you had to keep your hematocrit low. I think the reasoning now is is that. As far as Dante was telling me, you know, if you're not above 55 uh, and you don't feel symptoms, then maybe don't worry too much about it. There is there is an advantage to hemoglobin and hemorrhagic being slightly elevated, but that advantage can soon turn into a negative. So it is a bit of a balancing act to keep it in that peak range. Uh, an increase in hematocrit and an increase in hemoglobin is going to increase oxygen circulation in your blood and it is going to increase nutritional transit in your blood. The problem is that the point of where it's really effective as a bonus is not far from the point of where it starts to become a negative problem. I can see that, yeah. Um, traditionally, a blood, let, blood donation, removing a pint of blood would be your way to manage. And it is still a very effective way but it is a physical intervention and it's not always the easiest things to find and the cost of that service can vary from free to quite expensive depending on where you are in the world if you're in the uk um you can visit it can still, dave well yeah you can visit me we do it it's 40 quid with us um but i know clinics in london that are charging two three hundred pound holy crap what's the difference between a quid uh, and a pound same thing then why did you say 40 quid versus 200 pound? You're very confused. Because it's just, it's a difference between a buck and a dollar. Hmm. Okay. Hi, Jason, by the way. I thought you were coming up. Um, but um, you can use IP6. So IP6, which is a form of Incitol, but don't use Incitol. It's nowhere near as effective. Um will reduce those blood values. The problem is it will also reduce your iron levels and is very easily make you anemic. So you, it's a bit of a difficult compound. It's a compound that you're going to have to do a lot of testing around to find your sweet spot for it. Yeah. But if you don't have the availability of a bloodlet, which is very, very easy to do in a sense of management of it, then... It may be your only option, but don't just start banging in two grams of Incitol. 
and think you can just take it as much as you want uh, because it can become negative. So you, you will need to test your bloods and you will need to keep a high, an eye on your iron levels. My uh, hematocrit's been pretty good. I, I've been checking it very regularly. And I, you know, I see a hematologist. In the past, I had been uh, doing therapeutic phlebotomy once a month, uh, trying to get it down. At this point, um, I am, I think I was at 51 uh, this past check. And I decided not to let blood because I didn't feel like I needed it. The doctor wanted me down to 48. Um, but 51, I feel good. And, and the answer to me has been cardio, doing more cardio. Mm. You know, you increase that cardio, you increase blood plasma, it dilutes the hematocrit. So if you don't have the option of going to do phlebotomy and it's really high and you're getting nervous, I would say blast that cardio, low steady state cardio, uh, and and you'll be able to help work it out. Of course, if you're crazy, crazy high and it's dangerous, maybe that's not going to be an option, but... Yeah, this is one of the things where very high emo in uh, like cyclists and stuff, um, why it doesn't have the same negative impacts as it does in, in bodybuilders is because they are so cardiovascularly fit. You've got to remember that the machine that pumps that blood around your body is your heart. And when your blood is thick, it makes that pump work harder. Your heart is a muscle in response to that, it will thicken. Yeah. It also thickens with anabolic use. So you'll have two factors there that are adding wall thickness, the myocardium, in your heart. If that wall thickness gets too much, your heart's ability to flex will reduce, which then results in your heart beat range being shorter. That then means your heart has to beat faster in order to maintain blood flow and as a result you develop an arrhythmia mm. so it, it's this is not something that's going to happen instantaneously so don't think oh shit I've had a blood result my blood's are high my heart's fucked but if you ignore it it is no don't ignore it you do need to look at management of it um, I, I was never a big fan of cardio off season for a lot of years and still I started to realise the, the positive health impacts of cardio off season absolutely now I'm a not, and when I say cardio, I don't mean walking on a treadmill watching your favorite podcast. Which is drugs I mean, and stuff. Yes, which is obviously drugs and stuff. I mean sweating your fucking bollocks off and giving it some, because you need conditioning work more than cardio. I'm all for a that. A mix of the two. A mix of the two is, is brilliant, but you do need conditioning work. How about some sled uh, sled pushes? Yeah, any hit stuff. Uh, a lot of the strongman conditioning work is ideal for a bodybuilder to, to maintain their health and their arterial health and their heart health in the off-season. I'll say this um, uh, to add to that. The thing that you have to balance is doing a bunch of like sled pushes, sled drags, for instance, you're going to get sore. And the balance you're going to have to find is not not tapping too far into your recovery with that stuff uh, if your goal is to grow a lot of muscle because it, it will take – effort you know and it will take away from your recovery if you were to say do that every day so i think placing oh, it no, and, and I mean, watching how yeah. you respond those things are all factors but you can definitely make it work and i think you're absolutely right i, I would i would have gone for two conditioning sessions a week and two list sessions a week yeah that's good that that would be my sort of approach and i mean you know you've only got to look at the successful strongmen the the level of conditioning work they do, they still carry a shit ton of muscle. Yeah. I would say if so, your hematocrit was super high and you wanted to try to get it under control, I would do more than that. I would make it like a high priority to do more cardio. But then just to keep it under control, I think what you're talking about is fantastic. I, I would be more inclined to go for the physical intervention of a bloodlet to get it down and then bring the cardio in rather than try and address it with cardio on its own. I would agree. I'm speaking, I guess, for people that that feel trapped, that don't have that option, yeah. you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's still going to be. You can actually almost worsen the heart problem if you've already got an arrhythmia and then you then try and start hammering cardio. True, yeah. Um, or if your so, hematocrit was like super, super high at a dangerous level, and yeah. then you start doing a ton of physical yeah. activity, absolutely, that'd be a bad thing. 
Um, and one of the biggest things that you're at risk at is stroke. Yeah. All right. Let's let's see what else we got here because we still have like uh, 33 questions left. We might not be able to get to everybody, guys. Um, hi, guys. I have a question for you. He is 45 and he's used anabolics in the past. Uh, he says, now I have ac only access to two compounds, Deca and Proviron. Is it wise to run four-month cycle of 500 milligrams test a week and Proviron at 50 milligrams every day to control mental sides and libido? Appreciate your reply. Thanks. Whew. Not, a about that. Of, not, a, not a fan of Deca only. Some people like it nowadays. Yeah, I know some people can tolerate it. Um, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, but at the end of the day, the way my brain works is our bodies were designed to run on test and DHT. Yeah. So I feel that at least natural levels of test and DHT should be maintained. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Decoronic Cycle product, um, supporters actually are Decker and Debo. Really? So they have, yeah. So they have an aromatizing compound in there. So the the the, the big issues that you'll find with decaronle are deca converts to DHN. DHN is much weaker than DHT, so you can start to see erectile issues, libido issues. Also, deca only converts at 25 percent the rate of testosterone to estrogen, and it's also a weaker form of estrogen. So you'll also start to see effects of low estrogen. Um, they are not going to be dealt with by taking proviron. No, because I, mean, I would imagine will it would. More, Proviron will create more free DHN, oh. but that's not necessarily going to be a particularly good thing. Um, Proviron is slightly anti-estrogenic. You're already low in estrogen anyway, so it's not necessarily going to be a good combination. So I would, if you can, at least try and source enough tests to run a TRT dose. Yeah, let me ask you this. What kind of world does he live in where he can get DECA and Proviron, but he can't get test? How, how does I that do happen? I do find that a bit unusual. I find that very unusual. I must admit, mm. I do find it very unusual. But, I mean, you know, if he's out in Pakistan or India, he might he might be having some problems. Yeah. Can't or you... it might not be that he can't get it. It's maybe that he can't get a, a, a quality that he's confident with. Mm. You can probably get that I, stuff over the counter over there. I have an Indian client that will not that buys MPP, but it's only 25 milligram per mil. Oh, good God. And he, he has to inject fucking shitloads because it's the only one he trusts from the point of view of being decent quality. Hmm. Have you ever gone to a place, Dave, where you could walk into a pharmacy and just buy gear? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I mean, without a prescription. Mm-hmm. Turkey. Turkey? What did you buy in Turkey? <laughs> Nothing, because I didn't trust any of it. No kidding. You thought they were they the, so the pharmacy would have fake. Oh fuck it, I know they are. <laughs> no kidding. Um, pharmacies, uh, particularly in unregulated countries where where the sale of these drugs is very unregulated, um, will often have pharma looking drugs that aren't. Don't get me wrong. You, you can get genuine pharma, but you can often not as well. Yeah, yeah. Same thing as in Mexico, especially at the border uh, areas. You know, Tijuana and Juarez, all sorts of pharmacies live with everything available, and it's all sorts of funky brands, you know? Mm. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Out, so. And what? No, no. No, just just say, yeah, you know, people always think that pharma is best, and it's not always the case. Yeah. All right. Okay. Muhammad says... Question for the next podcast. Which method would you prefer for track? Oh, yeah, I like this one. For Which method would you prefer for tracking progress during contest prep and why? Average weight of the week, caliper, fat percent, uh, abdominal and hip measurements, or photos? Or do you use all of them? And do you prefer to check in weekly or more or less often? As I was natural, I used average weight for the week, and that was good enough as I was sure I was not gaining muscle as I reached my maximum potential. But when I started gear, I really cannot re uh, really anymore rely anymore on the scale uh, as I see incredible recomp in the photos. It's a huge factor. 
so you like this one does that imply that you've hated all the other questions are you trying to pit me against our listeners dave or pit your listeners against me is that what you're attempting to do right now i am just asking a question scott don't forget who lost the cabbage that's all i'm gonna say right now oh so we're, we're playing that <laughs> game like low blows are we now low blows <laughs> i didn't lose him you said he he effed off he's just temp- temporarily somewhere else um i would use as many resources as you have available um there there is a point when certain resources are questionable um so one of the problems if is if you're self-assessing, pictures can sometimes start to become a problem because you just don't see it anymore. You get very progress blind or you get very, you know, confused about where you are visually. Um, and sometimes a physical measurement can really help with that be a, a, a caliper measurement or a, a tape measurement but and so I think sometimes where coaches can play an important role in comp prep is is the fact that they are just unbiased you know they they look at the physique as as it is and they don't see it through any distorted vision I mean how many people do you know that have lost the plot two weeks out from a show and and fuck their diet because they've got on the scale and they feel they've lost too much weight or they feel small so they think they look small or the opposite that they were absolutely peeled and then they keep pushing harder you know yeah it goes both ways so i I think it's a combination of resources uh, and you've just got to find what works for you yeah measurements are okay to a point but there's a point when condition gets where measurements aren't really going to be effective anymore from a point of view of a tape measure around the muscle. Um, calipers are, are quite effective for, for much longer. Um, scales can be effective to a degree, but as he's stated in the thing, recomp can occur and it doesn't necessarily always reflect what's going on. I think if you are in a growth phase and the scale hasn't moved, then you would look at something else, you know, if, if this, so if you have all three methods or four methods of recording, so you can look at scales or scales haven't changed. Okay. Well, let's put a tape measure, um, around my waist and around my chest and around my arms. Well, my arms and chest are the same, but my waist has gone down. Well, obviously then either I've lost some bloat or I've lost some fat off my stomach. Sure. And that's possible. you know, let's look at the picture. Is is this is there an improved condition? Let's do a caliper. Let's see if there's a change there. And so, you know, you can eliminate the one at that point that isn't being useful, but you've still got three others that may be. Um, same in a bulk, you know, our scales have gone up. Great. Okay, well, hang on, let's just have a look in the mirror. Well, I don't look any different. All right, well, let's measure. Oh, my waist has gone up an inch. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, well, are we bloated? Are, are we fat or are we bloated? And, and so there's each measurement system should trigger some questions. And, and the more you have, the more they will support each other in reflecting what's really gone on within that progress. Yeah. Yeah, I can say that. So this is and the reason I like this question is because this is, you know, as a coach, this is what I'm doing literally all day long. Well, I talked to Dave for an hour on Tuesdays. But outside of that, this is what I'm doing is just evaluating people back to back to back. And um, I would say that for me, the number one thing is pictures. That To me, that's the number one thing that I go by with internet check-ins. If, if, even, if, even if I have people that are local, I, like I'll have somebody who's going to come by and pose with me later today, and then I'll still have them check in in the morning send their pictures i want to see i always want to see the pictures i like to try to keep the pictures consistent similar lighting you know similar camera setup um and that you especially he makes a good point somebody who's on gear they may have an extended period of time where the scale doesn't change or when you add compounds for new people people who have say never done a prep before i always warn them hey when we add in the gear that you know, we're steadily seeing the scale tick down. You know, first initially they lose 
eight pounds in the first 10 days because they're, you know, they lost a lot of water. And we get to a point where we're two pounds, two pounds, two pounds every week. I warn them, hey, listen, when we add this gear in, that equation is going to change, you know. But I like to be able to, I like to be able to see that progress first, know that we're on a good track before we add the gear, because at least then I have the hindsight of saying like, okay, we knew that we're on a good path. So there is that. Um, how often do people check in? For me, that varies. And I would say no less frequently than one week. Now, I don't know if I would recommend this to him in his own evaluations. Uh, toward the end of a prep, I'll have people, usually my check-ins are through email. And then, you know, I do my, my, do my daily stuff. And then in the afternoon, I go through all my emails. But for competitors that are close to the show, I have them check in on text because we need to make more critical change, changes that are more time sensitive. Um, and I'll get to the point where I have people checking in every day. Uh, we may not be making changes, but that way I can kind of watch what their physique's doing. And if we do say like a high carb day, then I want to see what they look like after that. And then I want to continue to watch how fast do they deplete from that. It gives me insight into know how to how to load them. So that's part of it. Uh, and it gives me insight to see, you know, how far can we push into a depletion before we need to reload it. It's a lot of extra work and it's super like hands on, but it helps me. Now, I would say maybe not for him because... Uh, what can end up happening is if you see yourself too often, like Dave said, you can go blind to yourself. If you're looking at a picture of yourself every day, that's no different than looking in the mirror every day. And it can be hard to evaluate your own progress in those pictures. So sometimes you do have to jump back. Sometimes I have to jump back. I look at his pictures from today or her pictures from today. And then I look at pictures from, you know, five days ago, and then I can better evaluate from there. So I would say at the very least though, pictures every week, that would be the number one thing that I go for, then scale being number two. I don't rely on measurements. I don't have people take measurements or skin caliper tests or anything like that. I rely mainly on those two things. And then the next step I rely on is, how's your training? What's your strength like? How are your pumps? Are you progressing? Uh, how you know? How's your endurance in the gym? How's your sleep? All those things. I, I, I also rely on those things to basically the, the the biofeedback yeah the the caliper and the measurements was more if you were self-assessing because it's a factual number that's less less open to interpretation whereas a coach if you're looking at pictures yeah um then it's much easier for you to as a coach to be independent because you're you're not blinded by anything else um when i carb loads I get them checking twice a day. Yeah. Because I get them to check in in the morning so I can assess the effect of the carbs the day before and I get them to check in at what will be their projected competition time. Oh, yeah. I could see doing that. So I can, so I can see where the loading will affect them on the time they're going to be potentially standing on stage. Obviously, shows can... Every time they carb load? or Every time they carb load? Um, or? I, it depends. So... Like I've, I don't do a lot of comp, um, mainly because, like you say, it is very time-consuming. It is very intense, and obviously, coaching is not the only thing I do. So I've got to split my time. But um, no, I'll do it generally for the first couple of times I'm with somebody who I've not carb loaded before, and then once I've got a better idea of how they're reacting, I'll be a bit less finicky about it. But. Uh, it's easier for me to do that many photographs when I've only got five, six, seven people that I'll actually prep for comp. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't prep a ton of competitors either for that reason. The majority of my people are, are lifestyle. Um, yeah. So it's what they call lifestyle these days, isn't it? Um, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, dude, we still have so many questions. We aren't going to be able to get to all of them, but let's see if we can race through a couple here really quick. Oh, we already did that one. Well, that makes it easier. Okay, we don't have as many questions as I thought. How about, did we do this one yet? Um, we only had one left. <laughs> no, we didn't. No, we didn't. We it didn't says, uh, Zachary, 
says, uh, I also have a question. Recently, I've been doing a low dose of Humalog before fasted cardio, two to three units, along with 500 milligrams of injectable L-carnitine for some very uh, and some very low dose clen. Uh, in recent diets, preps, I've always utilized Yohimbine HCL, and it's helped me much more. Will the insulin being present completely negate any fat loss effects from the Yohimbi from the Yohimbi? Uh, or uh, would it make it more effective because although insulin is technically present, my blood sugar would be much lower. Thanks. Love the podcast and the shows. So from what I understand, Yohimbine... I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Here's what I'd say, because I don't know either, honestly. I can't say a perfect yes or no. But from what I understand, Yohimbine is going to be... The effectiveness is going to depend on what type of a diet you're using. But I I don't know if I would just say, don't even try it because of your said diet. Uh, I would say you could still give it a run and see for yourself. So the, the, the basic theory is that obviously insulin lowers BG. As a result, body uses more body fat for fuel because BG is low. I'm not a fan of using slow acting. I'm much more.